Ages passed in a world called Spanth. The land was ripped asunder and the ocean turned black in a cataclysm called the Marring. Boros survived, a land of long-lost magic, mythic beasts, and meddling gods. It is here we follow a tale, a tale of heroes, heroes we call... Of Dragon Town. Welcome to the Magic Quest Boys of Dragon Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. An original Dungeons and Dragons adventure and the best non-hamburger-based operation run by five guys. I am Jamie, your host. <laughs> and <laughs> to the video box below me, we have Justice Donatello Whiskers, the Burger. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Rodri Wilder side of fries. <laughs> he is. C -c Coke bin door now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Gallivan McDonald's. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Oh, see, that fucking wins. That fucking wins. An inspiration. That's fucking great. Uh, Holy shit. <laughs> I really couldn't think of anything. Dude, that was, uh, what? That was so bad and good. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> <Marlon> McDonald's. <laughs> Guys, fans, fans who can draw out there. We want to see Gallup and McDonald's. If you Jesus. Guys... <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, okay. Oh, Jared, I believe you have a recap for us, my friend. Last time on MQBD, the Quest Boys, after much deliberation, decided to trust the fates and give them the destinescence in exchange for magical boons, including Igor getting changed back into Extractor Piero and Elijah being brought back from the dead. Then, the fates gave Rondri his, well, fate, which fated him to change the world and be there when time itself ends. The Quest Boys formed a chain-link fence of support with their bodies and promised each other that they would stick together, forming the Heroes Club, which is canon. It is <laughs> canon. The no, boys then got a history lesson about the Mooring and the gods and the titans. The essence of it. There is a titan named Eon who was present inside the body of a mortal without the mortal's knowledge and that this mortal... The Horror Logan will bring about the destruction of the world and time itself. On cue, Pen rose into the air, streaming as white light shot out of her mouth and eyes. <laughs> the Quest Boys were powerless, unable to move or do anything to help. And just as it felt like their bodies would be ripped apart, everything went black. Wow. Jared, that was incredible. Yeah, I'd like to thank Whiskers' like a... grandfather for coming in and doing the recap. Yeah, yeah it's pretty much that was trying to be Gandalf, <laughs> but I figure now whenever I try to do any kind of British accent, it just goes to Whiskers. So <laughs> I can see that. That was cool. Well, Good no, boys. you have the um, you have the Jason Statham one. That's true. Oh, you got the Cockney. Yeah. <laughs> you got the Cockney one. It's either Jason Statham or Whiskers. Those are Jared's two British options. <laughs> I'm cool with that. No, it's those are fucking great options. Holy shit. Okay, well, you guys uh, are going to gain the benefits of a long rest from this unconscious period you are in, and we Ooh, have we are 
So, yeah, and we also have some some business to take care of before you all come to consciousness. Oh yeah, baby! Roll for your life. Yes, right, 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 right. Are so we gonna, are gonna play roll, roll for your life? Roll for your life. So yeah, baby. who wants to go first? Gallivan does. Okay. Gallivan McDonald's. Here we go. Should we do it at the same time? At the same time? Let's do it at the same time. Okay, but before we do, let the record show, Noah, I believe every single time you've rolled for your HP on the air, meaning all two times, you've gotten max HP. Is that correct? That's 100% factual. All right, well, don't fuck it up. No pressure. Okay. Okay. All right, ready? Yep. One, two, three, roll. And the dice are rolled. Oh, my God. Oh my god, hands up. I did not, okay. You got another max adult roll? I got not a max roll, but one off max, baby. I got seven plus my con bonus, seven out of eight. Nice. I'm pretty horny right now, (laughs) needless to say. Yeah, that's right. They were rolling a D8 to see how much HP they got to their max HP. You got a seven plus your con, Noah. That's great for Krobin. Galvin, what did you get? Got a four. Four, Plus my con. It's not bad. That's not bad. It's mid. It's, a, it's mid. Yeah. yeah. It's just below what I would have got if I just took the regular roll. I just yeah. knew I was going to yeah. roll good again. Dude, well, I mean, you were right. It's confidence. Confidence does yeah. change the outcome it's true. of things. Guys, we're you not going to do our normal it. podcast today. We're going to talk to you about confidence. How to walk into a room and make people notice you, okay? All right, guys, you've rolled for your life. That's great. Now that we got all that out of the way. Everything went to black, and after an indeterminate amount of time, you all come to, very slowly, with great confusion. And after a few seconds of gazing around your starlit surroundings, where you are starts coming back to you slowly, and you see the young girl that you've been traveling with lay on the ground a ways away from you, her eyes closed. There's no more wind, there's no more, more orbiting candles, there's no more beams of light blasting out of her face. She's just laying there. The fates are also uh, not to be seen. And, and as well as that, Penn's candle is nowhere to be seen. But instead, another candle is stuck in the air next to her supine, inert form. This candle is almost as tall as she is. Oh, God. Its texture is no longer a smooth wax. Now it seems to be composed of ever-shifting gold and black sand that twists and swirls, barely contained in its cylindrical form, entirely aglow with a silver celestial light, you slowly uh, clamber to your feet. Oh. Oh. I rush over to Penn. Penn, yes. Whiskers, is she okay? What do I find? Well, medicine check. You find, you find an unconscious Penn. That's a 23. Nice. You place your furry lion paws on her neck uh, to feel for a pulse, a skill they taught you back in justice school. And you put your hand kind of at the base of her neck, too, to feel for breathing. And sure enough, there is a pulse. She is breathing, albeit shallow. She doesn't seem to be in danger. She seems to just be out. There is a pulse. She's alive. Oh, oh. <laughs> thank goodness. Ugh, I'm alive, too. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I suppose you are, if you are talking. Yes. I would like to pick Pen up like she was the first time we met, actually. In my arms. Right on. You do so. And kind of look around. 
yeah, you see this giant black void full of these hovering candles, uh, all like as far as the eye can see through this space field. And you see about 30 feet away from you, in a, in a different spot in this endless void of space, are these figures standing before a rip in space. And beyond this rip in space, you can three see figures. three figures. You see beyond this great Fuck. rip in space, the great wheel of reincarnation kind of floating in the sky beyond. Um, only these three figures that you see are eight feet tall and kind of massive in shape and size. What do you do? I'm f- I feel frozen as a player. I do not know what to do. I, I look to the others, and Whiskers just kind of starts walking towards them slowly. But he starts walking towards the figures. Should should, should we take Pen with us? I don't want to leave her here alone. Okay, I will follow. Whiskers, as you slowly walk over to them and you get closer, you see these figures moving these long, gnarled hands uh, with long talons uh, in slow, mesmerizing motions. And you see as you approach, one of them takes a bottle of Destinescence and dips a talent into it and whips and it all seems to swirl around her long, long talent and she whips it out and it goes through the rip in space over, out over the great wheel and then floats down to the hole in space below the wheel where you all saw the soul go through as it entered like basically above the material plane and you see uh, the Destinescence kind of as it dis- disappears through the rip, it turns into this, like, this, like, almost fog cloud, but it's composed entirely of this, like, blue, white, purple celestial flame. And it just uh, hovers and floats over through space to right above the uh, rip to the material plane, and it spreads out instantly, forming this, like, wall of fire uh, between the wheel and the material plane. And you would recognize that as Clotho. Uh, Clotho, she did say that she would set up a wall of fire so that any soul passing through would have it sparkless so that she wouldn't need to do it. And you see another one using the Destinescence. Uh, she pulls out the Destinescence uh, as if she's, you know, pulling string almost uh, up out of the bottle. And she casts most of it into uh, the rip, through the rip, onto the wheel as well. And you see the Destinescence turn into uh, like little, little sparks, a little, little, tiny, tiny, it's infinitesimally small blue sparks, and they spread all throughout the wheel, and they they seem to hone in on the little floating uh, souls that are floating already on the wheel. And she flicks away with a dismissive uh, flick of her hand, her long, gnarled, talony hand, uh, and the rest of the Destinescence explodes outwards, and it goes to all the other candles. Like, Like, you just see it all these little blue sparks, just tiny little blue sparks, just go towards every candle floating out in this space. And the final thing is you see the third one, as all of this is happening, you see her just kind of take the bottle of Destinescence and just kind of chuck it like somebody throwing a glass of water in somebody else's face. She just chucks it through the rip in space and it passes through and it seems to form a sheet of like weird kind of mercurial kind of platinum very shiny metal and it forms this like square this like enormous square plate that goes up to the rip above the wheel where the souls would come through and the plate goes up and it positions itself right over it effectively sealing the rip 
and you would know that to be Moiropa creating the barrier uh, so that no more souls could go through the wheel. And you know that there was like, like Serac, supposedly the god of death, his cold breath would blow the wheel, resulting in it needing to be fed, basically. You see that the wheel's turning kind of slows uh, by a large amount. And then the figures kind of turn towards each other, and Whiskers, you are about 10 feet away from them at this point, and you see these figures are these eight-foot-tall, hunchbacked, avian monstrosities. They have long necks, like vultures, with these bird faces, long beaks that extend out, ending in a razor-sharp, down-sloping beak, the large, cold eyes of a predator, and dark, lumpy, feathered bodies draped with these ragged shawls, uh, and their their long, gnarled hands kind of just barely peeking out from under their shawls. Very skexies, very skexies. But for reasons, not at all skexies. <laughs> and uh, you, as you get that close, Whiskers, you are stopped and you look down and you feel a hand pressing against your chest. And you look down and one of those Nothics that were going around in lab coats, the big eyeball creatures, you see one with a long stringy kind of hair coming at the top of its head, looking up at you with this big unblinking eye. And yeah. it stares at you for a while and just kind of shakes its head no, slowly. And then it, when it blinks its eye, you see in the same way that Extractor Piero's kind of Rorschach version of his face was on the eyelid of that Nothic, it blinks its eye and the face looking back at you is a Rorschach version of Morrigan's face. Oh! Whiskers will, oh man, that's crazy. What? Whiskers is shocked and he says, Morgan, is that you? Just stares up at you, unblinking. But you see, like, like, even though it doesn't seem to register, you see like a little bit of like film of tear kind of well at the bottom of its giant eye. Whiskers pats the Nothic Morgan on the shoulder, but then he looks up at the giant fates and he's going to scream at them. What did you do to Pen? They don't even look at you, Whiskers. They just go, Oh, it looks like they finally woke up. Yes. Yes, I suppose we should figure out what to do with them now. Yes. We should probably just... Get rid of them now, don't you think, sisters? Do it. Yes, yes, you're right. I've grown tired of them, and they've fulfilled their purpose. (laughs) We trusted you! Yet, Yet I thought I was to be one of your representatives in the world, and here you are, about to throw away a valuable asset, so... I'm just questioning your wisdom in this. Oh, we will not waste you, supplicant. Well, wonderful. Yes, rest assured, you will both be put to very good use. <laughs> this is the arrangement that we had, so uh, good. <laughs> Excellent. Then you may go. Find the door yourself, or we will, you know, kick you out. <laughs> Where's that black candle? Mm, the black candle is 
some ways away at this point. Yes, you can, as a quick scan of the void, you see it about uh, 60 feet away. I would give you a compass rose direction, but it honestly doesn't matter. I'd like to sneak over to it using my dagger of long shadows to extend the candle's shadows that they're casting off each other through this dark abyss. I love it. You do so. The shadows uh, cast by the candles grow heavy over you, Krobin, as you sneak over. Please roll that stealth check. 16. You sneak your way over, seemingly unnoticed by them. Are the rest of you doing anything while Krobin does this? Whiskers is like standing as like right in front of Nothic Morrigan and just yelling at the fates like in disbelief. He can't believe that he was betrayed. Mm. <laughs> when do you think it'll sink in, sisters, that everything that has happened to them has happened because of us? <laughs> I don't know. You know, they're parents' deaths. <laughs> every every hardship they faced. <laughs> I mean, that one's pretty dumb. And <laughs> so it'll... Yes, they're talking about me. I don't like you talking about my friends like that, you <laughs> fucking pieces of shit. They all cackle. They love that. Whiskers, we should maybe go. If they are powerful enough to control our whole lives, then we can do nothing with them right now. I guess I'll just see myself out then. And then I just start crawling out. <laughs> oh. Oh, I'll, I'll pick you up. <laughs> also, no, didn't you, did, you sad sack of shit. Weren't you even like, can you use your fucking thunder cannon as a crutch? You're choosing to crawl out. <laughs> I imagine, Gallivan, that you were pulling on Whisker's shoulder sort of while he was yelling. So yeah. eventually yeah. he'll s- stop yelling and just follow you. Okay. Um, Proven will clear his throat. Right. And he has his dagger of long shadows held out to the wick of the candle. And he says... Whose candle is this? One of them looks over in your direction, actually. He goes, Again, it is not for you to know. So you wouldn't mind if I... And I'll, like, motion with the dagger, like a quick flick of the wrist to the wick. They all start cackling. Oh, please, be our guests. (laughs) Be. Come on, Corbin! Do you do it, Crowbin? Jamie, I couldn't hear you. I was saying, be our guest. Be our guest. Put our service. That was all I, I was doing. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> it was really important. And, uh, you know, it's Disney property, so you're probably going to use it, but, uh, you know. Does it seem like they're nervous at all or, like, that this candle is important to them at all? Roll an insight check. <laughs> 21 dirty. You stare at them, and they're a ways away, so it's kind of hard to make out their expression. But they do not seem nervous at all. In fact, they start chanting, do it, do it, do it. (laughs) And then they turn and they all start cackling and laughing. Damn. From the exit, Uh, Whiskers is like motioning you over, Groban. I'm going to use a bonus action. My cloak's going to bellow dramatically. And then I'll pick up (laughs) Ranji Wilner Swim Fins. Uh, No, I I can do it myself. No, I got you. (laughs) Groban says... I'll be back for you. And he just strolls out, like, calmly. Oh, no. You'll be seeing plenty of us. Thank you for bringing her here. Thank you for beginning the war. 
and the end. And remember, and as they're saying this, as you guys are kind of walking out of the void, when the war is over, the crows will remain to pick the bodies clean. And then they cackle one last time as you all enter into this old grandmotherly cottage, which now suddenly doesn't seem so friendly. It's a little less quaint and homely and a little more dilapidated and like it hasn't been lived in for hundreds of years. And uh, But everything is the same setup and everything. It's just covered in cobwebs, overgrown dead plants and stuff like that. Picture frame shattered. Well, um, I don't know about you, but I would. let's keep going, shall we? Where's Elijah? You get out to where Elijah was laying, and uh, you do not see him. I'll just follow Galavan then. Well, I'm going to kick a chair over as I walk by. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You do. <laughs> no attack roll necessary. Great. Where do you go? Where are you all heading? I mean, out, right? Out. Back through the portal. Yeah. Back through the you... portal. <laughs> Rush through the trees open the front door and you see uh yeah the same trail leading through the dark dark woods and you see the portal that leads back through the painting uh some 30 feet into the woods and you feel the darkness kind of encroaching in on you uh and you hear some kind of squelches and and growls and gurgles coming from the woods i'll cast light on my staff and Let's get moving. Quick. It covers much less distance than it normally does. You have about five feet of bright, five feet of dim, as the darkness really kind of encapsulates you. And you're, you're, you're like this little light bubble in almost pitch darkness, these woods. But you all race towards the painting, and you all kind of hear these noises. As they hear movement, these noises start to get closer and closer to you all. Um, and it makes you run faster and faster because you have no idea what these things are, but you hear these kind of like horrible moans and screeching sounds as they start to intensify, as they can smell you and and, uh, sense you, and they seem to know right where you are, but you all dive through the painting portal into the Shrine to the Fates, and as you do, the painting portal kind of seals behind you, and you are back in the Shrine to the Fates. There is smoke still kind of clinging in the air. There is no more fire, however. The fires seem to have gone out. The tapestries are laying in kind of charred heaps uh, in the middle. You know that the, the, you know, the candle hanging wheel is still there. The barrel of wax is still there. You see, because you are all right on the dais, sitting to your right, uh, right next to the altar, right next to the tall black candles, you all see the prophet Virgil, the old monk birdman who came in at the end of the morrigan battle with the silver sigh sitting next to elijah who is totally fine they are sitting and they are playing a game of rise together and as you all kind of emerge from this portal and kind of take in your surroundings a little bit of dizziness kind of comes over you as you enter back into the material plane and some things are going to happen galavan the destinescence that you absorbed from the fates your boon they kick in and you have a strange sensation. The strange sensation that you felt, the ability to alter the world around you, to alter reality and the way things play out, intensifies. You have three motes of possibilities. These are resource points you may spend. They do not recharge. So once you use them, they are gone. Forever? Forever. 
Just forever? <laughs> forever, <laughs> man. Uh, but these modes of possibility can be used like uh, lucky points, where it can be rolled uh, as advantage, basically. You can roll a second die, and you can uh, choose which one of the two to pick. But okay. the thing that these can do that Lucky cannot is that these motes of possibility can be used on any dice roll made by anybody to replace one die. It could be a weapon die roll. It could be a saving throw made by an enemy. It could be any any roll. You can replace one die with another die of its type. Okay. And, and these modes of possibility, they manifest in the intensity of the feeling, and you also can like sense these little silver energy wisps floating just on the peripherals of your vision. Like whenever you, uh -huh. they're almost like those little floaty wigglies that you see in your eyes. Yeah, they're like they're like those. They're always just off in your peripherals. You can never quite see them, but there's three of them that are just kind of floating out there that you know that you can like basically pull out of the air and use to alter fate. Right. Cool. By the way, if you are experiencing those constantly, you should probably see an eye doctor. <laughs> Thank you. We got to get the word out. That's, that's really what we're here for, is to, to get the word out about eye wigglies. <laughs> Crobin and Galvin, you all feel, you both feel a weight against your chest that you hadn't noticed before. And you can tell that around your neck, on a delicate metal chain, you now wear an amulet with a cameo depicting three eyes above a candle that you both would actually recognize because you both were in uh, Elijah's dreamscape as the amulets that uh, Morrigan wore. Yeah, it's an arcade focus. <laughs> for, for brevity's sake, yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's an arcade focus. We all have the things that they gave us, right? The silver mask and the pauldrons. Yes, so and... if, you, if they didn't already appear on you, if I didn't describe them, Galavan the mask is kind of um, strapped Dude. with a little silver tassel to your hip. Whiskers, you now have the golden pauldrons on your shoulders. Rondri, you are wearing the metal boots with the little wings, and Crobin around your neck is the uh, the cloak, strong gray cloak. The last thing that happens is Crobin and Whiskers, you, Whiskers, you got stronger by plus two, and Crobin, you got quicker, more dexterous by plus two. I would like to ask you now that the curse kicks in to pick which ability score you would like to take minus two to. Intelligence. Um. I would like to ask you where you yeah. come off with this bullshit, man. Yeah. What man. the fuck? Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me, dude? Nope. Yep. Making deals with witches. Uh, I'll take it to intelligence. So what are you at now, Whiskers? Intelligence-wise. Minus one. Is it possible to know how to read less? If it is, he'll do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and that was easy for me. I mean, who cares? Yeah, I know. That's yeah. your dumb stat. Yeah, exactly. Who cares? I'm going to go with constitution. Because then, you know, maybe I'll die faster. Well, all those good rolls, dude. You don't need it. Yeah, it's true. You're fine. Pish posh. Cool. So you find yourselves back in this room, and Elijah and Prophet Virgil kind of both, like, reel their heads around when they hear you all kind of clamber through the portal. Uh, you also notice uh, as you enter and the, the painting kind of reforms behind you, the three women that are the fates in that painting all now smile back at you all broadly. Ah, my ladies. Elijah. <laughs> elaborate bow. You're alive. Uh, uh, did I ever get your name? Oh, yeah, what's up? It's Whiskers. Whiskers! 
and then he runs up to you and he gives you a huge hug whiskers that that he's he, I don't I don't think he can take you up off your feet but he he really tries to he really tries to lift you up and he's like oh my god thank you thank you thank you thank you I hug that I, I, uh, I had some distant memory of being on trial or something and then and then I I woke up in that cottage and I came back here you died uh, and I brought you back from the dead because those uh, fucking fates betrayed us they they what you talked with the you you talked with the fates we need your help and I show him Penn's unconscious body oh my god um oh yeah your friend uh is she um is she okay like I don't know she's breathing but I did fine. oh you meet her hey uh I don't think I know you um little guy Hey, Elijah. I thought you were talking about my legs. I'm Rodri. <laughs> He's really milking this for all it is worth. He hurt his leg, and now all he can talk about are his legs. Hello, by the way, I am Galavin. Yeah, I, I forget whether I got your name in my dreams or not. Hey, Galavin. What's up? Hello. How's it going, man? And he uh, comes in, and he gives you a big Spartan handshake up to the forearm and pulls oh. you in for a bit. <laughs> oh. Jamie, are you meaning oh, to say he? Oh, sorry. They. Thank you. And correct me on that because I want to, I know I'm going to make that mistake and I'm going to try really hard not to, but uh, they absolutely grab you up to the forearm and, and bring in for a big hug. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's oh, good to see also, you again. Yeah. Uh, he looks down and he's actually, Elijah is not really uh, wearing anything. The robes that they have worn, they were wearing, uh, they're just like in their little undergarments. And he's like, oh my gosh, uh, uh, sorry. Um, uh, and then Extractor Piero comes out from behind your group and kind of, it's like a Gandalf and Frodo on the bed moment where Extractor Piero kind of just like holds out his arms <laughs> and then touches his face. And then Elijah looks up at him and he's like, and he just goes silent with his, his jaw just drops. And then the two run to each other and embrace. And it is oh, a sweet. big majestic hug where Elijah picks Piero up and swings him around. Uh, and just clutches him, and they're just laughing together, and they are just ecstatic, <laughs> clearly, to be reunited. It's awesome. uh, it was all worth it. It was worth it. <laughs> uh, yes, Piero! Oh, my boy, my boy, Elijah. Uh, and then they all kind of settle for a bit. You all can kind of hear the faint sounds of a storm raging overhead, and uh, they kind of settle, and Piero goes, oh, look, 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 you... You need some clothes, young man. And then he grabs his, he like reaches all the way down to the, his, his ankles and grabs his starlight robe and just pulls it up on over his head. He's also wearing like underclothes, but he's got at least an undershirt and an underpants on. Uh, and he puts the robe uh, over uh, Elijah. He puts it over their head. And Elijah is now draped in this long starlit robe. And he's like, oh, yes. Oh. I mean, this is really your gift, Piero. You shouldn't be, I mean, just until I get something, just until I get something else, because I am actually quite cold. So I do appreciate that, Piero! And he like grabs him by the face and, and squishes it. And uh, Piero seems really psyched by that. And he kind of, little tears Aww. are kind of falling down Piero's face. Look, everyone, I don't mean to break up the uh, happy times. In fact, it's very sweet, but we just found out Penn is like going to destroy the world and we're kind of all freaking say out what about it. Pinch. Uh, I don't know what that. Um, I don't know what a horror Logan is, but uh, it sounds serious. Oh, well, this is uh, what the fates told us. So take it uh, with a grain of salt. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Uh, you guys, everybody, please. 
Everybody please roll a perception checks. Oi. Fitting. Dirt twent. Before I do this perception check, Gallivan puts his hands on his ears and closes his eyes. I got a natural one. <laughs> got it. <laughs> got it. Yeah. This, all this joy happening is, is just a lot for you to take in right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a nine. Okay. Uh, Mr. Crobapple, Mr. Cokebin, with the dirty tootie, you notice, so you've come through the painting, you are all standing on the dais. You notice a chamber you hadn't noticed before, coming from the backside of the altar. It looks like a stone panel has slid away, revealing a reliquary containing various objects. Yeah, I'll go in there. Is that what you're yeah. asking? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of just going to assume you did. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of objects and they are uh, kind of arranged. And it's very clearly this zone is arranged as like supposed to be like a special hiding spot for uh, spire, you know, relics. It, like it's very clearly a place of honor, but like a place for hiding things of honor. You find a number of things. An onyx candlestick shaped like birds in flight. A long, slightly th- a threadbare coal black scarf, a solid obsidian quill, a stunning silver brooch set with a black pearl, a worn white blindfold with black eyes painted on it, a rosary with beads of jet, a shield looks like black bird feathers overlapping uh, with a big eye in the middle, a folded up fan uh, with kind of silver embossing. A ring that looks like a black bird kind of hugging your finger with its wings. Mm. And an old musty book. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, wipe off the dust from it. This book is entitled The Tome of Hoarded Gleanings. The History of the People, Places, and Cultures of Voros. First edition by extractor Piero Lamtafilis of the Spires of Vale. Maybe he'll sign it for us. We need to figure out what we're doing with Penn, gentlemen. Perhaps she just needs to take a rest. I mean, she did go through quite an ordeal there. Are you kidding me? They just said she's going to end time itself. None of you were concerned about this? Uh, Yes, of course. But what can we do now is what I think. We can go to Augur Corvida and try and get this all straightened out. Oh, yes, of course. We must go to Augur Corvida. Yes. (laughs) And as you all are talking and gathering loot and whatnot, <laughs> Prophet uh, Virgil is just kind of standing there stoically, just smiling and nodding solemnly. Also, Crobin, there are four shurikens you can retrieve, as well as the silver sigh. I didn't know if you picked those up or not, but those are all retrievable. Okay. Uh, as this all is happening, Elijah, he turns to you all and he says, I don't know if I'll ever figure out a way how to repay you all. Honestly, my... I am in your debt. For seriously, I will... What is that? What? Elijah is looking across the shrine, the room, and he sees across the room an eight-foot-tall figure in a long black robe shrouded in darkness with small drifts of ash kind of floating and going to and fro around this female figure. And there is a single crow perched on her shoulder, and she is... Facing, she's not facing you. Her back is to you all. And Elijah begins slowly walking out towards this figure. Elijah, wait. He, he does not stop. Wait. He continues is walking. Is it Elijah or Joah? It is Elijah. They go by Elijah. Elijah. He just keeps walking. 
I'm gonna Careful. grab Elijah. Uh, you're gonna have to to run up to him as he does that, but you can try absolutely. Ooh, he rolled. He got a nat twenty. Okay, I don't get it. I got an eleven. You reach out and start going for him, and you are almost just like held back by something. Some force seems to hold you back, and then you look down and there is literally a hand on your shoulder, and it goes. Up, 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 up. Come on, come on. Just hang tight, man. Who's that? You look over, and there's a figure there that none of you all have ever seen before. Just standing there, very casually. It is a well-manicured human man in his maybe mid to late 30s, uh, with a well-styled auburn pompadour, wearing a loose-fitting dark yellow set of robes. Um, very nice and a red and brown scarf kind of tied around his neck. And he's got a little kind of stand-up straight bag, and he is reaching into the bag, and he is popping some crunchy things from the bag into his mouth. And he's like, hey, hey, hey just, uh, just be cool. Just be cool. We're all oh. just here to watch. Oh, hello. <laughs> I- I'm going to push him off. Hey, guys. Oh, okay. See you so. Who are you? You're talking to Glim. Glim the mustard? No, nothing? All right, well, whatever. But I will need you guys to... Keep it down, because uh, I haven't seen the ascension of a demigod in a while, so zip. And he looks out, eating his crunchies, and Elijah is standing about 10 feet from the figure, and he is just, his hand, he's holding his hand out, pointing his finger accusingly, and his hand is shaking, just like he's trembling by the hand. No, 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 no. And then the the figure says in kind of a, a booming tone that reverberates through the room, but is also like carried on the wind just here. And the figure turns around. She has slate gray skin and these long, dark, silky robes that she's wearing cut a sharp figure. She has long kind of silky black hair uh, and these eyes that define comprehension when you look at them. And these ash drifts just kind of swirl around her. Who are you? And the little crow on her shoulder kind of cocks its head, looking at him. And she says, you know. It's obviously Vale. Crobin, Crobin says that. <laughs> and then uh, Glimp's just like, shh, come on, man, what are you doing? And then uh, Elijah's head just drops. And Vale goes, you see now. Yes. Tell me. You. You're the woman from my nightmares. The ones I've had my entire life. The premonitions. I kept trying to escape from you. I hoped that by killing my mother, Morrigan, I could die knowing that I escaped such a fate. And... And I know now it was all a lie. I never had a chance. Morrigan wasn't my mother. Nor was the woman from my childhood, my mother. The woman standing there in my dreams, watching silently while the world ends around her, is you. There is no escape. Vale, you... You... Say it. No! His head drops and he falls to his knees and he grabs his hair and he screams to the heavens, a guttural anguished scream. No, I I won't say it! I don't want this! I don't want you! I don't want any of this! It does not matter. The time has come 
and she holds this long wing-like uh, arm out and points to your entire group and you all kind of can't help but like flinch a little bit as it seems she casts her notice upon you. Oh. Be gone, wizards, and your crying eyes. And she just does a, ge- a small gesture with her hands and her fingers and Glim next to you <sighs> vanishes, just apparates, disappears into thin air. And then she disappears in a tornado of ash and crows cawing. Uh, and, and there's just like a tornado, a little, a little like whirlwind as she like vanishes up into the air, ash spiraling. But um, her words do linger on the air and kind of fill the room as she says, Now arise, Elijah, dreamwalker, demigod of dreams. My son. And Elijah's head kind of shoots back uh, as far as it'll go, and his body now lifts up into the air, and wind spins around him as he seems to undergo a transformation very similar that you all have just kind of experienced not that long ago. And there is a spinning of ash and wind and smoke that all seems to coalesce around him in these beautiful shifting patterns. And there is starlight that seems to become intermingled and then when he finally uh, it all kind of whirls around wind whipping around all of you it finally comes to a stop starlight seems to extend from him and scatter like many crystalline bits of sand out from him uh, seeming to slow in the air and then disappear into nothingness and elijah looks very much the same as they did in life save for a few changes the little like starlit freckles across their face, now cover their entire body. So that staring at their skin is like staring into the swirling night sky, twinkling with starlight. Their hair is now much shorter now. It was long and kind of dreaded, but now it is much shorter and sticks up crazily at all angles, uh, like somebody maybe electrocuted, like a spiky puffball kind of. And it shines now, inky black, and is streaked throughout with iridescent colors that shift with the light between pink and green and violet. And it always seems to be catching some sort of unseen breeze uh, and moving unnaturally. There is now a glinting white crown that encircles their head, curving upwards in the front instead of joining to form two sleek points. And their eyes are now two radiant white starbursts, almost making like a like a cross or like an X turned on its side, you know, of these two stars that shine from deep within two pools of inky blackness giving them an aura of otherworldly magnificence and the indifference of a higher being. They stand proud and strong. Their body seems to be filled now with boundless energy. And he extends his hands uh, with a flourish, and in his hands appear a long, in their hands appear a long staff that then forms, and as the top forms, it curls into a spiral. And this, like, majestic kind of staff forms in their hand, and Elijah sort of drifts down to the ground and just kind of falls back to his knees again. And a few more words linger on the air as this finishes. You hear Vale say, I flee. The war begins. Prophet, do your duty. And everything settles. Okay. Ooh. Yes. Ah, 
It's good guy to know, huh? <laughs> so I'm kind yeah. of completely lost. Is anyone else following any of this? Yeah, he's like kind of lumined, but like lumined light. Uh. I do believe we have started the War of the Gods, perhaps. Oh, just that, you know. <laughs> just that. War of the Gods, huh? Well, look, I can only focus on one thing at a time. Let's get Ben to safety. That's a great idea. Yes, let's go. I mean, what is safe even more, really? True. She is a force to be reckoned with herself, so who's... Maybe we need to be safe from her, but she is our friend, so that is all that matters. But, like, in a war of the gods, who's really safe? No, I get it, Rondri. I knew what you were saying. Okay, but let's go. Piero! Extractor Piero and the Prophet Virgil both run over to Elijah and kind of, um, like, slowly, hesitantly kind of reach out and touch his shoulder gently. My boy, Elijah... Elijah? And Elijah just sits there. And Piero kind of looks back to you guys and lets out like a, a shrug and a look of compassion. And he kind of just like gets down on his knees next to him. And are you all right, child? Elijah, snap out of it. No, I'm not all right, Piero. I'm not all right. In my dreams, I experienced such a profound desire to help the woman with the crow on my shoulder, who I believed to be my mother. And... I suppose it was. I wanted to help them, and it terrified me my entire life. I've spent my whole life running from it, and when I helped you all kill Morgan, I thought I was free from it. But now it is clear there is no running from it anymore. And then the Prophet Virgil's eyes uh, go black, and the Prophet Virgil, a veil's voice, emerges from him. The woman in your head is not me, child. Uh. And Prophet Virgil gestures to pen in your arms, whiskers. Is this voice that's coming out of Virgil now the same voice that we heard come out of the Oracle back in Marigo Meow Mouse Chambers? It is not, actually. That was in, in the Oracle, what you heard there was the Oracle's voice kind of modulated. Maybe okay. it sounded a little like this, but it was like the Oracle's voice layered on top. This is like the voice you just heard speaking from Vale in the room, except it's less booming and less um, less powerful. And so Vale's no longer in the room. Yeah, Vale has left the building. Yeah, and like a crow tornado. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> crow-nado. The Cronado. 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 We got Sharknado. Where's Cronado? Tornado Crow? No, Cronado. Like Birdemic meets Sharknado. Anyway, Prophet Virgil, still looking at Elijah, then says, You were born for it. It is and always has been your inevitable destiny. By trying to escape your destiny, but finally fulfilled it, Elijah. It is the only way to make the world right again. It must end. And she will do it. With your aid. And us, right? Uh, The prophet Virgil just looks at you, and the head just nods slowly up and down. Noise. (laughs) Oh my god. Elijah just kind of sinks to the ground, more so, slumps over. And Piero is just trying to console him with his hand on his shoulder. And you hear the storm outside 
raging very loud now. It is it is thundering and, and lightning striking uh, at least every five to ten seconds at this point. It is chaos <laughs> sounding out there. Thaldeus is not happy. <laughs> and then it's, the entire room shakes. We've got to go. We've got to get out of here now. Just leave me. I will get you. Okay. <laughs> this is assumed at this point. I will carry you, my friend. Ugh, fine. While you are in my arms, why don't you think about a little contraption to help you walk or something? You are a very smart young man. Oh, yeah. I did have an idea. I guess I'll work on that. And I pull out my notes and I start like doing like industrial designer type of like drawings. Nice. <laughs> we make our way to the exit. Okay. Is Piero, <laughs> Virgil, and Elijah coming with us? Um, they uh, they all kind of look at you. Uh, the Prophet Virgil just kind of staring straight ahead. Um, but after some time, his eyes seem to restore back to their normal form. And uh, he kind of looks around and then is kind of a little confused by all of it. Piero is has Elijah and looks up to all of you kind of like, can I get a little help? Like he's trying to get Elijah up on his feet, but Elijah does not seem to want to move. Well, to I have this one, and Whiskers has that one. So, Corbin? I'll, yeah, I'll pick him up. Okay, yeah. Piero has uh, throws one of their arms over uh, his shoulder. If you want to throw the other one over your shoulder, you and Piero will kind of uh, carry them up to the stairs, to the little vestibule leading up the stairs back to the Spire of Violence de- uh, Destinies. And as as uh, Elijah is going up the stairs, as you all kind of plod your way up these, like, greasy <laughs> stairs, <laughs> hopefully for the last time. But as you guys plod up these stairs, and you can you can smell atmosphere, and you can hear the sound of rain kind of plinking down on the, the stone steps on the, high up on the spiral staircase above you, you hear Elijah kind of mumbling under his breath. I will pave the way for the world raiser. I will assist her in any way that I can. You hear uh, Crobin. Actually, you just you hear that, Crobin. And you all arrive to the top into the inner courtyard of the Spire of Violent Destiny. And you look around and you see that there is indeed a storm happening around you. Uh, wind is whipping wildly up all around you. It is heading in all directions. It is absolutely tempestuous. And there is lightning streaking across the sky, and the rain is falling hard and fast like bullets. And the lightning that is streaking across the sky is not your usual lightning. The lightning streaking across the sky is red in color, and it blasts violently across the sky from one side to the next, from one side to the next. And as you all arrive at that inner courtyard, the druid's spire uh, is blasted with a huge bolt of red lightning, and rocks just go (laughs) flying off of it down the mountainside with a huge, immense crash. As this tower explodes, Whiskers just looks around, he's like, we've made a huge mistake. Uh, Yes. <laughs> and that's what we'll call it. Damn. Oh, Mia. fuck. I think Mamma Mia is appropriate here. Yeah, indeed. Damn, I hate these gods and stuff. You know? <laughs> totally. Yeah, bro. You know what I'm uh, saying? No, totally, bro. Thank you all for listening. Uh, um, we love all of our fans. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, audience members, if you're listening and you play the Definitely D&D, not. Do you have a character? You can level up your character. And just tell your DM that I said it was okay. 
because uh, we love you so much. We love you so much. We want to give you that little gift. So bake and level up, David. Thank you guys very much. Please help us out by subscribing, rating, and reviewing. We're trying to reach more people with our podcast. We're completely independent. We need help. If you write us a review, we'll give you a shout out on the show. Please tell a friend. And if you do uh, one of these sweet, sweet things, we might just name a character in the world after you. Just ask our friend Tamara De La Clark, whose old D&D character, Glim, was the inspiration for Glim the Mustard, the wizard that you all met. Oh, yeah. Cool. Nice. Yeah. That That's guy awesome. was cool. You know. Yeah, he's pretty that cool. That was cool. I don't know if he'll ever live <laughs> up to the coolness of the original Glim by Miss Dela Clark, but he's going to try. Right. Also, you are financially blessed. Oh, my God. Uh, and, and you, know, you want to help us out. it's tax season. It's a stimulus it's just tax. came out. We know you got that change, you know. Although you're probably not listening. I would say financially big, where it counts. I would say that. I would say, please, uh, if we have a tip jar, is what I'm saying. It's uh, at, it's a website, like many tip jars that exist in this digital era. ko-fi.com slash mqbd. You can shoot us any amount of cashola you feel like we earned today we appreciate any and all amounts no matter how big no matter how small we also sure. accept bitcoin yes, yeah shoot do. us some money but i think the real thing that we want just tell your friends about it get them listening to this thing honestly yeah that, that is the big draw if you are so able to we take money of course but yeah tell your friends spread the word spread the good word if you have a choice yeah, between like, dropping a bitcoin in the bucket and telling two of your friends to listen to the podcast do both. That's not a real do choice. All you could yeah, do both. Yeah, you can do both. Yeah, why not do both? Like, you know, it doesn't hurt. Bitcoins are up to like, uh, what? A lot of money now. So, yeah, do both. I'm just kidding. Tell the two friends. Tell the two friends. Yeah, tell the two friends. Thank you, guys. Um, yeah, thank you, David. Appreciate that, David. <laughs> um, guys, our song is dead. Please send us a minute long or shorter uh, little music. Uh, D&D inspired, uh, MQBD inspired, uh, preferably, but also just send us music so we can play it at the end of our episodes. Uh, we love you all very much. And you know who we love the most this week? A little friend we got on Instagram who shouted us out, Jackie Rackham. Jackie Rackham. Thank you so much, Jackie Rackham. Yeah. Uh, you're the best. You go, Your name Jack. is great. Jackie Rackham, I believe, has shouted this out multiple times on Instagram. Huge fan of the podcast. Ooh. We love you she so much. She makes great memes. She does. She does. I'm honestly a huge fan. Check her out on Insta. She's a um, prolific meme creator. I would, I would, I would agree. 2,050%. When I, when I think of a Jackie Rackham meme, I go, ba 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 Gallivan McDonald's. And it makes me happy. <laughs> Every time I do. <laughs> so thank you very much, Jackie Rackham. Thank you very much, Eric DeLong, for writing the music. Thank you very much, Sarah Pohl, for editing the episodes. Ooh. Guys, if you want to talk to us, you can do it at Magic Quest Boys on Twitter and Instagram. Use our hashtag MQBD. Thank you all very much for listening. Tune in next week to find out who dies. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Do you like bad movies? Well, tarry no further, my friends. Starring Emma Roberts is a new podcast where seven friends write seven different parts of a script to write one movie. The twist is that the writer can only see the section before theirs. This makes for an unforgettable movie experience. Our three-part Christmas special is out December 14th, wherever you listen to podcasts, with more scripts to come in the next couple months. 
Follow us at Starring Emma Roberts on Instagram and Starring Emma Rob on Twitter for updates and more side splitters.